Hello and welcome to Inside Scoop Live. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Today I'm speaking with Britta Strohmeyer Ismail, author of Raina's Unhappy Birthday, a picture book that follows Raina and her beloved stuffed animal Lola on a journey from birthday cake jitters to cake-filled happiness. Britta Stromar Ismail is a writer and a mom passionate about raising resilient girls to find their own voice. She lives in Northern California, and when she is not writing, enjoys spending time with her family, horseback riding, and reading with her daughters Maya and Anya. For more information about Britta Stromar Ismail, visit her website at reinasunhappybirthday.com. Hi, Britta. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. To begin, why don't you tell us what your book, Raina's Unhappy Birthday, is all about? So Raina's Unhappy Birthday is a story about a little girl that discovers to how to gently respond to the unwanted affection from her extended family and finding out how to express her love for them on her own terms. So it's about finding your own voice and having the courage to speak your own truth and empowering girls and boys and truly have a choice in how they show and receive love and affection. Yeah, I love that. I love that. What inspired you to write this story? So so this is an interesting um, question, and <laughs> it was kind of an interesting time when I started writing the story and uh, realizing it couldn't be more timely given uh, what we've experienced in the last few years. Mm-hmm. So what truly inspired me was, to be honest, is it's a story that was always inside of me, and it wasn't really until I had my own children and observing other children, coupled with some of the public and political events of the last couple of years, Me Too and others, mm-hmm. that I truly felt compelled to finally get something on paper. And what I wanted to do was I write a story that was approachable by all ages, and it was fun and heartfelt and a story that would spark a conversation among families. But most of all, I just wanted to give little girls and boys some language and a voice to express their feelings in situations where they might not otherwise feel so compelled to do. So that was kind of the initial impetus to get that story down. And just as a side note, this was actually not the first book I thought I was going to publish. Mm. I've been working on a mystery novel for the last several years, an adult story, So this story was a complete sidestep um, and a little passion project for me. And I'm super excited that it's been so well received. Wow. So that that story just came to you and you had to write that first. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, you mentioned in the back of your book that your two daughters deserve to be listed as co-authors. What did they contribute to the story and how did their influence help bring Raina's unhappy birthday to life? So my kids, um, when I started the stories a couple years back, when I first began writing the story, bless their hearts, they sat with me listening to every single draft (laughs) um, before and after illustrations. And they actually um, did so with a lot of joy and enthusiasm. Um, Many of the ideas inspired some silly laughs and illustrations, particularly for Lola, the bunny in the book, Mm -hmm. um, which is actually based on a true stuffed animal character in our house. So there's a scene in the book um, where Lola lassos the cake, and that was inspired by my older daughter, Maya, as we got the illustrations back uh, and we talked about the sub-story, which was Lola. Uh, we were trying to figure out how to make add some humor into the scene, and her initial idea was to have Lola descend from the ceiling and try to get to the cake that way. Uh, and when... 
consulting with the illustrator, she said, well, I can try that. Let me see. And she did try. Um, but then it just didn't, with, with the whole page and the, the, the layout, it didn't quite work out. And it looked a little bit awkward. So Maya said, well, how about she lassos the, the cake? And we thought, great idea. Why don't we try that? And that's how that scene ended up in there. Some other ideas was um, early on in my little one, um, my little daughter, Anya, uh, always reminds me of that. There's another scene where I talk about the uncle helping with the catapult. And that was initially a castle, a little princess castle. And my kids actually talked about, well, we don't just play with castles. We do other stuff, too. <laughs> and at the time, we were into slingshots and other things. And so the catapult idea was born. And the other thing they contributed to was what Reina would wear, how she would look. Mm. Um, so part of her looks are inspired a little bit of a combination of what my daughters look like. And they wanted her to wear shorts. And my daughter, my younger daughter, loves the color blue. And my older daughter loves the color red. And so it was a red T-shirt and blue pants. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, that's how that came to be. Oh, that's great. I, I love that you had the firsthand input from your daughters. I mean, what better way to approach writing for kids than, you know, from their actual feedback? Oh, most certainly if you have a chance as a writer, especially as a children's book writer, to test your material on your actual audience, it's priceless. Yeah, now, you talked a little bit about the illustrations, and I love the illustrations. I think what I love most was that one page where Raina just explodes and says, I hate my unhappy birthday. The look on her face is just priceless. <laughs> Can you share a little bit about your experience working with the illustrator? Yes. Joanna Cook is my illustrator, and I could have not asked for a better match. Mm -hmm. I, I just feel so blessed to have found her. So from the first sketches to the final version, she and I just had way too much fun working on this to start <laughs> with. But from the first proposal she sent me, uh, she just immediately got what I was going for. She really captured Raina's essence and her emotions. Mm-hmm. And um, this particular scene, so I don't think we did many changes to that when, when that came back. There were others we worked really hard on and we're going back and forth on. But what I loved wor working with her is I had some very specific ideas of what I wanted some of the illustrations to look like. Mm -hmm. uh, others I was completely clueless about. And as I mentioned earlier, the bunny Lola is based on a true uh, stuffed animal character that lives in our house, yeah. which um, is a, a bunny that I've had since I was a little kid and passed on to my, my daughters. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah, and Lola in the book is obviously a she, but the bunny is actually a he in our house. Um, <laughs> but I sent her a photo and asked her to base that character on this particular stuffed animal, and she uh, absolutely nailed that illustration. It's exactly what it looks like. Uh, so she was wonderful with incorporating ideas and taking my suggestions and my kids' suggestions. There was just no ego. She's just a true artist, super talented, and I hope I can work with her again at some point. And in fact, there's one illustration where the grandfather uh, kind of hugs Raina in, in the early pages of the book, mm -hmm. and that was one of the proposals she sent in because she said, well, what do you want me to send in for the proposed 
illustrations to see you know, before we signed a contract. And I told her, pick something that speaks to you that you think is important um, and kind of shows the essence of what I'm going for. And she sent me three illustrations, and that was actually the one that totally got me. And it's like, okay, you're hired. <laughs> yeah, she is terrific. And she actually lives in South Africa. So we did all of this through Skype and online and uh, with huge time differences and working through that. Yeah, that's amazing because you don't always get the opportunity to tell the illustrator how you want their story to look. So I feel like that's a very fortunate experience. Sounds like um, you had a great working relationship. Yes, very much so. And as I said, she was really very sensitive to what my ideas were and trying to incorporate those. And, you know, there were some things where she said, you know, I don't think we can do it this way. Mm -hmm. I would suggest we should do it, you know, in a different way or where I said, oh, no, this should be a full spread. And she said, well, if you look at the storyline and how it comes together, my suggestion would be so. It was a really nice collaboration. And yeah, I highly recommend her. She's a really good kept secret at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we want to let this out. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) No, that's great. That's, that's a wonderful experience. Raina is such a relatable character. How did you develop her? And is she based very closely on anyone you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, all those characters sometimes somehow based on somebody we know. Um, Don't they always say, write what you know? Yeah. Uh, So yes, a little bit. So part of Raina is definitely uh, me. And I'm, you know, I'm a survivor and often thought if I had been conditioned differently, would I have spoken up earlier? And as I became a mother... I watched my own children and other kids at birthday parties and family gatherings literally grinching when their parents said, oh, give so-and-so a hug or give her a kiss. Oh, isn't that sweet? She gave you this gift. And, you know, some kids are just not like that. And you can really see if you watch closely, watch their body language, like, I don't want to hug this person or really tensing up. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit of an organic thing. And... In the end, I think there's a little Raina in all of us, uh, and that was confirmed in the fact that now that the book is out, I've had many readers, especially parents and grandparents, approach me and say, this is terrific, and you know, I never thought of it that way. And uh, interestingly enough, a lot of dads have come up to me uh, thanking me for you know, writing the story down. Mm. And I've gotten some interesting feedback on boys reacting to the story. I mean, for me, initially, it was like it was more of a girl thing, but I'm learning as I go along that it's not just a girl thing. It is for boys as well. And just recently, again, I've gotten some repeated feedback that a lot of kids on the autism spectrum have really been drawn to the story. And parents have thanked me for putting the story out there because there's oftentimes for kids on the spectrum, they have an even harder time expressing sometimes those no's um, in, in that way. So to be honest, when I was writing that story, some of those things were certainly not on my mind, but I'm, I couldn't be more pleased that her story has been so much more far-reaching and been helpful. Yeah, that's some amazing feedback. And I could relate to it as an adult because, I mean, it brought me back to my own childhood years. It's like, what parent hasn't gone through their own experience like that? I mean, I remember clearly people that I just have said or have wanted to say back off, but we weren't allowed to speak our mind back then. Exactly. And I 
feel if we could educate our children more to use their voices in the right way, does it have an impact later in life where they would be more likely to speak up? And I think the family setting itself is even higher stakes because there is such a dependency and and power dynamic within the family Mm-hmm. For children uh, in particular, that if we can teach them in a safer environment, you know, it's okay to speak up. It's okay. Sometimes we just don't want to be touched or sometimes we don't feel like hugging. Right. Sometimes we just our time or we like to express ourselves in a different way and it's okay. And then what's more important is for the adult on the other end to accept that for what it is and not... Not say, oh, not pout in a playful way when, right. when they do express themselves. I think that is really, really important, especially for the family conversation. And as I mentioned earlier, I was really hoping this book would spark some conversations within the families. And uh, interesting fact is in the first few draft rounds when I was seeking feedback from you know various uh, people, writers, agents in, in various settings, one of the agents that looked at it to give me feedback said, well, you need to make a decision. Do you want this book to be, you know, an issue book or would you like it to be just a fiction book? And for me at the time, it was extremely important to not be an issue book, Mm -hmm. but to be an actual accessible book that anybody would pick up for a fun story, but with that kind of hidden message um, in the background where people then will pause and say, oh, never thought of that. And I have actually gotten that very feedback from parents like, you know, I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. And for kids now, including my, um, this is a funny side story, <laughs> um, my older daughter, she got really angry about something and I can't remember what the topic was at her younger sister. They're both now seven and nine. Um, she wanted to come up to her like, oh, Maya, I'm so sorry and wanted to hug her. You know how sometimes when you're really angry and you just kind of need to calm yourself down and you don't want anybody around. Right. She just shouted at her sister, like, leave me alone, and stomped off. And and I said to Maya, um, she just was trying to be nice. And my daughter turned around to me and looked at me, and she's like, well, I just don't want to be hugged right now. Isn't that what all your book is about? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so I, I had to smile and laugh, and it's like, okay, point well taken honey you're absolutely right so that's sometimes be careful what you ask for (laughs) (laughs) that's right oh what a great story I mean how do we give kids the power to use their voices this is a really excellent question and I really appreciate you asking it there's so many ways we can empower our kids the right way and maybe the best thing I can do is give you some examples from our own family life that people probably can relate to. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think is really important, and you'll see that probably with a lot of parenting advice columns, is to give your kids choices, but keep it to a two-choice system. So in every situation, especially when they're younger, don't ask, would you like some vegetables with that? Ask more, so would you like the carrot or broccoli? Carrots mm. make your eyes see better. Broccoli is good for your bones or skin, vitamin C. It'll give you, you know, superpowers to help fight germs. So it's all about the marketing and who doesn't want superpowers. So <laughs> if we package it a little bit like that, then they do have a choice and they do have, you know, power to decide, okay, what do I want to get stronger with? Another thing that 
it's super important is to accept no uh, for no when it actually matters. And what I mean by that is when you're having fun tickling your child and she's in a laughing fit but um, says at some point, no, stop. We often as parents or grandparents, we have a tendency to just keep going and ignore that because Mm -hmm. we think, oh, they're having fun. They don't really want me to stop. But no, no means no. So please stop. And at an early age, it really teaches them that their feelings and their voices matter in those situations. Even though it is a fun little game, it is really important. Um, Another thing that I'm very particular about or was very particular about going through that stage was during potty training. I didn't just go up there and, you know, did what I had to do. I I approached them and said, is is it okay that I wipe you now? And I think that's particularly important. Now, of course, they want you to, you know, to help them in those situations, but it is still important while they are dependent on you to ask them for permission and For us in our family, it ended up going as far as once they got older, they would ask me, Mama, why do you always ask for my permission? And I was able to say, because it is your body and you get to decide who touches it, when, and how, Um, even in those situations. Uh, Another example that I'm very adamant about is in the doctor's office. I, I do give them the power to say no at the doctor's office when the doctor has, you know, says, can I check this or that? And if they just don't feel like it, that's okay. I know why they're asking and why they have to do that, but I think it's still important that the kids know they have a choice in there. And then you can talk about it and say later, well, there is a reason why the doctor sometimes has to do this. But, you know, you give them the information, and as they get older, I think they will feel more empowered. Absolutely. Yeah. And as I said earlier, ask them, do do you want to hug, a kiss, high five, and cheerfully accept. I cannot stress this enough. Cheerfully accept their answer. Really don't pout, even playfully, because it just sends the wrong message when when the kid says, no, I'd rather have a high five today when you really wanted a big hug from them. Mm -hmm. So, oh, that makes me so sad. Don't do that because it really, really sends the wrong message. And then it it just kind of all falls apart and then they will do what they think you want them to do. Right. Those are amazing examples. And I wouldn't have thought of a lot of those different ways. So that's wonderful. You know, I feel kids, especially younger kids, they don't have many choices on how their day goes and what's happening to them. And rightfully so because they, you know, they shouldn't. Are some things I think that are important for them to know that they have choices, and and this is just one of them. And I think it's really really important. And as it carries over into their later lives, and as they deal with, because again, if they feel comfortable in those kind of settings to speak up and speak out, when something truly comes their way that is unwanted, wouldn't they be more likely to speak up? At least that is my my unsigned theory in this. Yeah. Wow. Great. I'm so inspired. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> well, that's the whole, yeah, I hope you're yeah, yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. So what was your favorite part about this journey, uh, going from the idea of, of writing this book to all the way through to the publishing? So I had a few. Um, 
obviously for any writer there are those moments when you have this idea and you put the words on paper and your themes on paper and then there comes this moment where you know you just kind of got that part right and you start getting some feedback from your critique groups and you see people starting laughing out loud or um, <laughs> making those, aww, um, you know, um, verbalization right. of, of what you've written. So obviously that is really wonderful and any writer can only hope for, for those moments. But uh, my all-time favorite was probably working with the illustrator Joanna Cook uh, and seeing Raina and um, her story really come to life in these illustrations and, yeah. and really seeing some of those things that I saw in my in my mind and then finally seeing it on paper just like I imagined it, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. But what about your, or your least favorite part? So the least favorite part has to be the production layout process. Oh my, I had no idea how complicated that can get. <laughs> so... Part of it is just uh, the, the measurements, and part of it for us was also because we were working with an illustrator that was overseas mm-hmm. um, with the metric system and then having to deal here with, you know, inches and other layouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so little margins could become a real problem. So that was really complicated, and then you had to go back and sometimes go back with the layout team back in line because there were all these other things that had to be done. So it's not like, oh, we have that small little change and we'll just plug that in. It's like, no, you go back in the line and we'll get to it when we get to it. So that was a really frustrating part in the production process Mm -hmm. and layout. Um, And while I learned a lot in that process, I realized how frustrating it can be and sometimes little color nuances and things that had to be adjusted because something wasn't quite working with the software in a certain way that it was supposed to. So I thought that was really an unexpected uh, challenge in this whole process. Yeah. Um, Now, how long did the whole process take? Because you self-published, right? Uh, yeah, so I went with Balboa Press, which is a hybrid model. So you, um, they're part of uh, Hay House. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what happens is you assume as a writer, you assume a certain financial risk um, in, in this endeavor, but you also have a little bit more control, um, such as the illustrator. So that part was good. Um, but yeah, it, the whole process, I'd say about from the time we submitted to the publisher until it came out was probably nine months. Oh, okay. Then, like most picture books, um, this was printed in China, and so then it has to be shipped on the big ship mm-hmm. across, and that takes time too. So, which I didn't know. I mean, some books are printed in the U.S., but a lot of these um, are nowadays printed in China, uh, which I didn't know either. So that was another one of those. Oh, who knew? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely a big learning curve with your first book. But, you know, when you get back to your mystery, you'll be just an old pro at it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there won't be any won't be any uh, illustrations in, in that one. So that might be a little bit easier. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are you working on that currently? Or do you have plans to finish up that story? So, yes. Yeah, so I am still working on my adult novel. However, I am actively working on my next picture book, oh. um, which I have fallen in love with already and I'm super excited about 
Uh, I can't say too much about that one yet because I'm only on my seventh draft, but what I can tell you is that it does have a related theme, and the main character is a boy. Oh, nice. So that's about as much as I can tell you, but I, um, I know a lot of writers always say they absolutely love the story that they're working on, and it is it is true. I, uh, I'm obsessed with it at the moment. And my kids have already listened to a lot of versions of it already. <laughs> my older daughter, who is turning 10 soon, is more like, Mommy, that's, you know, it's a picture book. It's for, like, younger kids, and I get it. But my younger one is still very much into it, so I'm running all my ideas by her. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited, and I still am... My my adult novel is also, I'm actually working on two. They are kind of related. I'm working on both of them. Those characters are still with me all the time, unfortunately, because I know I have to finish that and get it out of my head. Otherwise, they will never leave my, my space. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so those are both things I'm working on actively. Well, it sounds like you're really busy. Um, so what do you like to do when you're not writing? So when I'm not writing, I love to read. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> I love to read with kids. I do love to read um, um, also adult literature, obviously. Um, I do like horseback riding, and I do that with my daughters. So we try to do that, uh, be out in nature. And I love playing board games and card games. Mm. That is definitely something I enjoy doing. And just spending time with my family. Yeah. It's uh, just kind of kicking back every now and then and watch a movie with them or just hang out and play games. Yeah, well, that's good stuff. Well, I was wondering if you had any advice for emerging picture book authors. I have to smile at this question um, <laughs> as I can, I consider myself part of that category oh. so, because I still have so much to learn. Um, but besides just getting your story on paper, I'd say just find a supportive tribe that you can share your work with mm -hmm. and receive feedback from that will help you grow. So don't work in isolation. And truly, and it's such a cliche, but it truly is just right. Get that first draft down. And most importantly, just don't judge that draft. Mm. That took me a while to get um, to that point, but it is worth it. Just get your thoughts on paper and not worry about what it's going to sound like. Writing is really hard. Well, for me it is. Uh, but yeah. it's easier once you have the material on the page and you can mold and tweak it and, you know, move things around. That's where the fun is for me once I have something on paper and then I can tweak it and play, play around with it. So... And if you can test your stories on your target audience, as I said earlier, kids hear and see things much differently than we adults, and their feedback can help inspire you. So that would be probably my biggest advice to anybody who's looking to, to write a story, especially a children's story or a picture book. Yeah, that, well, that's fantastic. That was an advice that was given to me early on, just write, 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 get it down, get it down. And I, in the early days, I definitely would obsess over those sentences um, early on because I just wanted it to sound good. And you just can't do that. Just get the story down. Nobody's going to read it but you. And just get it on paper so you can look at it and take a step back and then work with it. Yeah. Well, Britta, it's been such a pleasure talking with you today and learning about your book, Raina's Unhappy Birthday. 
thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was great fun. To our listeners, thank you for joining me today for my interview with Britta Strohmeyer Esmail. For more information about Britta and her book, visit her website at reinasunhappybirthday.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com.